Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is the 44th Live Courageously podcast show since I started the show about two years ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and an unconscious theme for most of my life. Courage is rightly considered the foremost of the virtues, for upon it, all others depend. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. So today, let's meet today's courageous guest, Danny Torres. Danny is a blue-collar man making white-collar moves. Danny has flipped over two dozen businesses like Holmes. He has literally died and came back from death and then fought leukemia off. He wrote a book about it entitled Cancer, My Unseen Gift, Unwrap a New Mindset. Danny is a retired national boss of an outlaw 1% nationwide motorcycle club, and he is a father of two beautiful queens. Danny just gave me this, the shortest bio I've ever got on this show, but it has nothing to do with what he's done or who he is, because his life has been probably about 10 lifetimes, but it really is just about the fact that he's not about talking, he's about doing. He's a man of action and a man of very few words, but he makes stuff happen. And so uh, with that, let me welcome uh, my brother, uh, Danny Torres, to the show. Welcome, brother. <laughs> What's going on, my brother? How are you doing? Hey, great to see you, man. I tell you, that was the shortest when you sent me that. <laughs> I, I, I keep it simple. People, I get people who've done a lot less than you who give me like a three-page bio. I'm like, oh. <laughs> hey, right to the point, right? Bullet points, let's go. <laughs> That's it, man. All about action. So, hey, well, once again, thank you for being on the show, brother. Um, I usually start out with just two quick questions. The first one is, because most of the people I've had on my show, I've, I know personally, like you. And so I start with, where did we meet? And a little bit about our background together. And then I go into my second question is, what does live courageously mean to you? So let's start Got with it. the first. Uh, where did we meet, man? Uh, damn, that was at the Jason event. Yeah, well, it, no, uh, in Chicago was the first time. Yes, yes, right. yes. And well, it, was, it wasn't his event, but yes, in right. Chicago, yes. Speaking called? to the kids. Yes. Uh, um, power of we. Uh, right. And so we met there and we hung out there and we had a great time. And then the second time we hung was down in uh, Naples, Florida. Naples, at, Florida. Yeah. At and, and, listen, energy is real, brother. Energy is real. Yeah. Well, that, that, that time. And I remember, uh, you know, because it was special because it was right when the pandemic hit and we we came out strong because we were we were not afraid. We were not uh, we were unstoppable. And I remember uh, that night. At the uh, close of the thing, there was a party, and me and you closed down the night singing. <laughs> <laughs> New York, right? <laughs> and I, think oh. was, I think there was some tequila involved, but you know, yeah, we, a little bit, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it was a good night, man. That was a good was night. A night. And then we, of course, we ended up at Jason and Emily's uh, wedding just recently. Yes, recently. Yes, beautiful wedding. Oh my god. But, you know, when I met you in Chicago, and we're going to get into your story because, you know, you shared your story with me. And I was like, well, one, you're from the East Coast like me. I'm from New York. You're, you know, from the South Bronx and you're from uh, East Coast as well. So you just shared your story and I was blown away what you had been through and we connected at that point. But the second question is, what is uh, to you, what does live courageously mean? Oh, man, living courageously to me, brother, means to, to, to stay out of the box. 
right? To go against the grain, be an outlier in this world, right? If you choose something and that's your purpose, then follow it. Don't allow anybody or anyone or any thought to derail you from your movement, from your purpose and wherever you're headed, right? You got to live courageously that way. You got to have the balls to go out and get what you want to, you know, get what you want to get, be who you want to be, right? So that's one of my biggest things. I love, the, I love, love, love how you say live courageously, brother, because let me tell you, man, the world right now needs more people to live courageously, man. Well, hundred percent, man, and and you you have in so many different ways, and we're gonna. But t t tell us where were you? Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit. Take us on that journey, so the audience can know a little bit of who you are and what you where you started and where you are today. So yeah, sure, absolutely, man. Listen, I'm an open book, man. Um, you know, I don't want to give the full rags to riches story, you know. So I just keep I, I'll uh, I'll keep it simple. Uh, I was born and raised in Newark and Belleville, New Jersey, back and forth from Newark, New Jersey, Belleville, back and forth, right there on the border. Um, lived in many different places, actually, in, in Newark itself. But, um, you know, didn't have much, you know, I mean, waking up with uh, barely any food or, or, or uh, no frills foods for a whole, you know, a whole year. You know what I mean? Um, if anybody remembers no frills, they remember the white with the red and blue lines on it. That was the film thing that food stamps can get you. Um <laughs> I remember, uh, shit, I remember living in the buildings, man, where the, during the day, it was the floor in the kitchen was white, and during the night, the shit was brown, bro. That's how many fucking roaches we had. It was horrible, bro. It was horrible. But, you know, it, it, it was fun, too, you know? I remember when, you know, it was the same in the South Bronx. I remember when we would get up in the morning, we'd turn our sneakers and, and, and like, shake them, and all the roaches would come running out of the <laughs> They start fucking scattering like a gang. <laughs> I know. It was madness, yeah. man. <laughs> But you know what, man? I tell you what, now where I'm at now mentally, right? I have to make sure shit stays clean, even though I'm in a house now, but still it's like it's that, that, that right there built up the OCD to make sure that everything is clean or food is put away or things of that nature. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, and, and look, everything that we go through, man, makes us who we are. You know, so everything that I went through, you know, from like my father was a rough motherfucker, man. He, he we used to fight. We used to fight. He was, he, I would, I got into a lot of fights, bro. And when I get home, if he was there, He's like, I heard you fought today. I'm like, How the fuck you know I fought today, man? Because he was a goon. He was a street. He was a street dude, you know? And everybody knew my father. Everybody knew him. And he was like, all right, did you win? Yeah, of course I won. All right, come on. Yo, he used to make, pull me out, bring me back to the kid, and we used to fight again. Just, to, just because he wants to make sure that I won. Like, I was raised like a fucking like a gorilla, bro. <laughs> I always tell people. I, 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 my father didn't teach me how to fight. The streets taught me how to fight. What my father taught me is how to take a punch because he used to knock the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know well that that's part of, of what you know uh, you know in your bio you talk about you from there you ended up at one point being and you had told me about it being the head of this uh one percent motorcycle gang yes yes yeah so um uh i was i don't know my very very early 20s like 20 21 maybe and i was boxing at the time and a couple of friends was talking about starting this motorcycle club up right and it was in Newark and uh, Red Break Gym, if anybody knows, remembers that gym that used to be around in East Newark. So anyway, so one thing led to another and it was like, all right, you know, started, they used to call us the crazy Puerto Ricans from North Newark. And uh, it was seven of us. And then we got more and more and more. And by the time you know it, man, 16, 17 years in, um, we was over 1,200 men worldwide, uh, literally international wide. I mean, plus, probably 30 plus chapters, charters in all different states uh from anywhere from uh even even in monaco we just opened up recently right well i can't say we because i retired a couple of years back but uh yeah ended up being the number one national 
uh, 1% outlaw boss. And what happened was the way we grew it, um, the difference between us and everybody else, because they used to go, you know, there's, there's certain procedure. For anybody that knows the MC world, there's certain procedure and certain rules that you're supposed to abide by and you're supposed to fly underneath someone until you're able to get your own shit and support people. And fuck that. We were, I wasn't doing none of that shit. Obviously, we always had the attitude like, if we're going to do the shit, we're going to go 100% in. So we made sure that we was the biggest, baddest motherfuckers. You know, and we fought with the best of the best, man. When I tell you we fought, we, we've had a lot. Bro, we made, we made Sons of Anarchy look like fucking a cartoon. You know what I mean? The shit that we was, you know, so it was, it was, it was crazy, man. It was, it was crazy for a while, man. But, um, you know, after a while you grow out of things, you know, you grow out of it. I don't regret none of it. You know, I don't regret any of it, man. I, I always tell people when they ask me, I said, look, man, I was a gangster and a gentleman, which made one hell of a businessman. You know, I'm as loyal as they come to me. It's always loyalty over royalty. And, um, that's just the way it be. I feel like that's a dying breed in this world, you know? So look, I don't, you know, I've had my, my fair share and, you know, Sometimes looking at a lot of prison time and shit like that, but I beat certain things and uh, God, thank God I'm still here and nothing happened to me. Um, and I'm still, you know, free, right? I got my two daughters. I, I praise over being a, an amazing father to my daughters. Um, throughout all that time, though, brother, I went through some crazy shit with, uh, with leukemia, man. So, how, so old I, you, uh, how old were you when you went through and got leukemia? Uh, how old were you at that time? So when I was diagnosed, I was 24 years old. Okay. I was 24 and I was training for a fight actually. And I was losing weight fast. And I went to my doc. I said, yo man, something's not right. You know? And he was like, I was feeling pain in my spleen area. And he was just like, oh no, you're just, you're training too hard. I said, nah, man, like I know my body, bro. Something ain't right. So anyway, so two, two weeks later, some shit happens. And um, here I am in a hospital. And that night I bled to death. Um, so I bled to death at 6 a.m. I coded. Wow. And when I coded uh, the story that I got, my mother was in a room. Um, my father had just got there. And my mother, she, I, I had lost two older brothers when I was younger. And my father, when they, he got there, it kind of just happened at the exact same time as he's walking in. All of a sudden, I'm coding. Like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, damn. My mother's like, damn, not another son. And then my father, like, you know, they, they, they bugged out a little, but um, your father's not an emotional person, bro, at all whatsoever. You know, my mother was like, listen, I never in my life seen your father tear up except when his mom's passed and when you, you know what I'm saying? So, but um, fast forward, man, what, they, they hit me with a bolus in my heart, uh, which obviously brought me back. And then I, I was coded for almost a minute. And when I, when I got up, I didn't get up right away. Obviously, they just woke me up, but I didn't physically wake up, you know? So a couple of days later, when I got up, um, I couldn't see. Like, I literally was like, like, literally blind. Like, I couldn't see. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I didn't know where I was at. I, didn't know, I had no idea, nothing. All I know is I popped up and I opened my eyes and I stuck my finger in my eye to make sure my eye was open. And I couldn't see, but I see nothing but white. Nothing but white. And was, what, 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 during that time, I had a dream, but it wasn't a dream. It was my, my experience, my out-of-body experience. Because when you go through these, when you die, when you're born, and when you go through a near-death experience, your DMT gets released. So I had to learn about that throughout my time after all that, going through a lot of uh, 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 pranic, um, energy work, uh, 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 plant-based medicines, things of that nature. I got really, really deep learning exactly what it is that I went through. But um, so, yeah, so then, then I started bugging out. I started ripping needles out of my, out of my skin. And uh, they came in, I guess, you know, somebody, they rushed in, they put me back to sleep. So, and then when I woke up the next day, I can see, because I lost, I, I was, I had to get, my arms was, now they had my arms strapped out. 
Mm. And I was getting 10 pints of blood and 10 pints of platelets, right? Um, and then they said, hey, listen, um, you got leukemia. You got two years to live. And I'm like, what the fuck? And at the time, my daughter, who is now 17, I have a 17-year-old and a 10-year-old, two queens. Um, at, the, at the time, she was 14 months. And this is it. I wrote, I wrote this in my book. It's an interesting story about my book, too, brother. I want to get into after this. Yeah, um, please. Let's do it. So... Um, so at the time, she was 14 months, and my mom was like, listen, you, you got to bring your daughter up here. And I was like, nah, I don't want her seeing me like this. I don't know, we know what the fuck is going on, you know? I, I, was, I was so prideful. I never let nobody know none of my problems, none of my issues. Ten years went by where I didn't even tell anybody I went to leukemia, brother. And that's what I'm going to get to in a book. So, um, so that, they brought my daughter up there, and now there's a picture in my book that you see my daughter, and she's laying on my chest. Well, that, 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 that's the exact picture because she, she laid her head right here. She put her little fingers on my face and I looked at her and I kissed her on the head I, and I started tearing up. I said, man, I ain't fucking going nowhere. Mm. And, and I, I, kissed, I kissed her head and I just started saying this stuff like, I'm going to be here you know, when you walk, when, you, when I'm going to teach you how to ride a bike, I'm gonna be your first day of school, your graduation, your car, I'm going to teach you how to drive. Like I started saying all this stuff, you know? Mm. And um, I still, I still, it still gets me, brother. Mm. But um. So, yeah, so then, you know, I got out of the hospital about three weeks later. They started me on chemotherapy six, seven months in. So, I'm on my motorcycle on a New Jersey turnpike. And if everybody knows the turnpike, you know, it's a shit ton of trucks. Right. So, uh, my body just fucking spazzed up. Like, I couldn't fucking move. Mm. And um, it was the chemo. So, I, 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 I tried to, I started clutching down, right? And I got into first gear. I couldn't get into neutral because I couldn't move. So, I just clutched down my foot. Moved to the right-hand lane, and I laid the bike over, right? Off around exit 12 near Carteret. I'll never forget. Wow. And um, after, I, I, like, I don't know, what seemed forever, right? I was probably maybe 30 seconds in my arm. I was able to, like, release my hands and just, just like, everything. is just really messed up, like, tight. Like, every, my muscles, my organs, everything. I called the oncologist. I said, listen, man, fuck this chemo. I'm not doing it no more. And he's like, bro, you're going to kill yourself. I said, well, you told me I got two years to fucking live. He says, yeah, but the medication's been doing pretty good. You know, it might extend that. But I said, man, fuck you. I'm doing it myself. If I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go out my way. So, brother, I started going crazy, 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 looking for different things, um, ways of healing, nat natural healing. Who has done it already? Um, different books, different uh, 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 herbs, spices, vegetables, fruits. A lot of fruits, brother. A lot of fruits I was eating to cleanse out. Um, and I went holistic, and I went completely, completely holistic for almost two years, brother. Eighteen months later, I was in remission. Wow. Um, and what's interesting about that story, which I'm not going to get too far into that, but when I went to the doctor, when, it, when they called me up and told me that, that I'm in remission, uh, the oncologist, there was like seven of them that went in there because one of them was actually one of the ones that he, he, I guess he was part of the team that created that new chemotherapy pill. Uh -huh. And he was like, oh, you know, this is a miracle, blah, 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 it's working. I said, and I looked at him, I looked at my oncologist, I said, you ain't, you ain't tell him? So he was like, look, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't take the pills. And they was like, what do you mean? I said, he doesn't take them. Like, he, a, he just went on his own. And they got mad, brother. They got mad and they was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? That's not true, blah, blah, blah. And they left the room. Wow. And that moment, brother, at that moment, when I, in my mind, I was like, yo, I can never trust the, the system again. Now, granted, I'm not yeah. saying all of them are like this. Of course. But what I am saying is Big Pharma runs the fucking world. It is what it is. Yep. They follow the dollar, brother. Follow the dollar, you know? Um. So, so 10 years later, now, now mind you, I didn't tell anybody, even brothers in the club, they really didn't know what I was going through. They just knew I took a little leave, you know? Um, so the ones that did know were supportive, but I didn't, that's just the way I was. I didn't tell anybody. I was, I was, a, I was a lineman um, 
I was a lineman at the time. And when I got out of the hospital, first thing in my mind was like, damn, like if I died, like what am I leaving my daughter? Right. That's yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So um, in my mind, I said, damn, if I die, like what am I leaving my daughter? You know? So uh, I started immediately thinking about businesses. Now, look, before that, man, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was selling drugs. I was doing all types of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like and I always tell people I have nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to defend, bro. Like, I'm, I'm an open book. You know, it is what it is, you know? So I, I was doing shit illegally to get money on top of working. So now I was like, man, fuck this. You know, I, I got to clean, clean this shit up. Actually, let me, let me correct that. When my daughter was born, I stopped selling. Mm. When my daughter was born, I stopped selling. My own hands. I had other things that I was doing too, but when my daughter was born, literally when my daughter was born, I left Bethesda Hospital at like one o'clock in the morning and I went home and I called a friend of mine up and I handed him over a couple keys. I said, here, brother, I'm done. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, bro, my daughter will never see me behind closed bars. So let me, let me just fix that. Right. I don't want to bring that back a year. Um, so anyway, so then I, I had a lot of cash, you know, a couple of different things going on and, and I started investing in businesses. I opened up, I had two guys in the club that they was doing tattoos and I said, hey, let's open up a tattoo shop. So I started with that. I ended up opening two shops. Oh, I bought the second one. Uh, 12 years I had them, sold them, made good money. Um, but ever since then, my entrepreneurial journey, legit journey just took off. From that day, from, from that, when that happened into my life, brother, that's where everything took off. I still worked, but I was still opening up different businesses, buying different businesses, going into these things, didn't know what it was, small business, big business. I had a huge nightclub in Orlando, like 6,500 square feet, contracts with Disney. You know, I, I, I did a lot. I did a lot, you know. Um, well, you also, now, go, no, keep going. I got a question. Go, keep going. All right. Now, throughout that time, I would get a lot of questions as to, can you help me heal? Because I've seen how good you did it with yourself. And can you help me with my business? Because I see what you're doing. Right. That's kind of what rolled me into where I'm at right now. Um, and I don't promote as far as, Hey, listen, I help people here. Like, look, I just tell people what I did and it should work for you. You know, we don't know, but you know, these are the things that I use. These are my tools. This is where I did my, what I ate, you know, things of that nature. Cause you gotta be careful the way you word things these days, you know? And, and I don't know what that person is doing 24 hours a day. Right. Yeah. So that book, actually the supplement line, the name of that behind the two. So that book, brother, 10 years later, now we're going to Tony Robbins world. Right. Yeah. Tell me about that. Cause I was going to ask you that question. Yeah. We talk that we both kind of went into that experience with Tony Robbins and both kind yes. of went on the journey. So, and yeah, and the, the most interesting thing about that, bro, is that Tony himself is not what really changed my whole life. It was the environment that Tony has. Right. Right. So before I wrote this book, I went to my first UPW in Newark. It just so happens that it was the first one that they had in Newark, New Jersey in a very, very long time. It was at the Prudential Center because they used to be at the Meadowlands. And the Prudential Center was, it wasn't there years ago. I grew up that right there in that area. I grew up in that area. I know the area. And there was abandoned houses. There was an old fire station, you know, drugs. There was all types of shit around there, right? So here I am going into this building, 17,000 people, I think it was. And everybody's high-fiving and hugging. And this is my first experience. And I'm like, like, don't, don't touch me. Like, <laughs> I don't know you fucking guys. Like, what the fuck is this, right? <laughs> Exactly, so right? <laughs> my, my energy was fucking everybody else's up, though. I felt it, right? Because it was like real, really like to stay away. I was standoffish, you know? Sure. So um, the next day, I'm like, man, like, you know what? I, I got I to gotta fix this, right? So 
Um, I go the next day and I let them know. I said, look, I literally walked up to a couple people that was in there because we was in the suites, you know, it was like you know, 20 people in the suite. And, and I said, look, I apologize. I made everybody feel uncomfortable. I, I'm giving you permission to get me out of my own way. Get me out of my head. Like I want to play full out, you know, like I need to leave my ego at the door. Right. Like just, just let me, let me embody myself. Right. I've always been a man to high integrity and I'm okay with being challenged. I want that. That's the only way we're going to grow. Right. right. So uh, I play full out high five, hugging, massage. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, right. I'm literally asking myself. <laughs> I, I, my first one, I can identify. I was, working, <laughs> I was working in the post office as the mail handler for, I mean, uh, for five years, a midnight shift. And I went to the seminar, same thing, man. I was like, whoa, what the? It is, right? It's like a culture shock. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that, 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 but that, when that happened, brother, it changed my entire life. And what's very interesting, out of all the brothers that I had in the club, there was one other brother that I seen at the event. Huh. And, and to this day, he's the only other brother that I know that we both retired from the club. We both have multiple businesses. We both are doing amazing in this world. We both are still like, we are literally side by side. He's got his own thing going on. I got my own thing going on. But, you know, that, that the Tony environment changed a lot of things. That year, I signed up for everything that he had. Everything. Within 13 months, I did every single thing that Tony offered. I, I even went to Netherlands to the other business mastery, right? I did it all. Um. That same year, I retired from the club. That same year, I uh, I retired from the I quit from the, I didn't quit, but I retired from the job after sixteen years. Um, that same year, I just everything happened that year, brother. Just from being embodied and everything. That same year, I released the book. I had no idea I was going to talk read a read, write a fucking book. I went to the day with destiny. Now the day with destiny. See now, this is where we 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 understand because we're very conscientious that. Things happen for a reason. We meet. We met for a reason, right? There's no such thing as coincidence. That's right. Um, so I go to this day with Destiny. Now, I was very hesitant to go because it's on my daughter's birthday. And I called my daughter and I was the baby girl. There's an event that I really want to go to. I signed up for the entire year, blah, blah, blah. So the week before that, I took her to Disney, right? I was like, come on, we're going to go, you know, enjoy your birthday the week before that. It was the perfect timing. So then I'm at this event. And I'm feeling so regretful because I'm not with my daughter on her birthday. First birthday I've ever missed. She was turning, she was turning 12 years old. Um, and But it happened for a reason. So now, you know, in Date With Destiny, yes, 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 my queen's right there, brother. Thank you so much for that. Um, damn, I should have sent you a picture of one of the motorcycle things. I just put one up recently, actually. Well, I got um, this. I don't know if that that's this one. Oh, yeah, I got one with the vest on and everything, but that's all right. It's all good. All right. So um, anyway, uh. So, so I'm at with Destiny. Uh-huh. And you know, in Day with Destiny, how they, they split you up into groups and you do these exercises, you know? So I run out. They're about to split up. Um, and I run out. I didn't know there was one split up. I run out to the bathroom because, you know, it's nonstop, right? You just got to go. So I come back. When I come back, I see everybody doubled up. So and then I look and I see an elderly lady. Brother, she had to be close to 80 years old, 75, 80 years old. And I walk right up to her. I boom, I beam right at her. And it was weird as how I seen her right in the middle of the crowd. I just went straight to her. Huh. And I said, hey, listen, my name is Danny Torres. I see people doubling up right now, partnering up. I says, I don't see you with anybody, and I don't got anybody, so we're partnering up or what, right? And she starts laughing. So she goes, yeah. So I said, right, cool. I said, well, what is this exercise about? She goes, well, let me go first. I said, all right, cool. So she goes first. Brother, she tells me how her daughter passed away from leukemia. Wow. And I look up, and I'm like, all right, I hear you. All right, I'm here for a reason. There's a reason why me and this woman out of 2,000 people in here is talking. 
right? Because mm. of my experience and what she went through with her daughter. So she tells me this. So now I tell her, it's my t- it's now it's my turn to talk. And I say, listen, um, I'm not even going to talk about other things. I just want to let you know um, what I went through, right? And I, the reason I let her know that is because I want, you know, I want to help her. I want to hug her. I want to, you know, like we 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 get this thing where we just want to help, right? Um, she looks at me. She starts to tear up. She grabs my. She puts her arm on my shoulder, hmm. and she goes, "Son." She goes, "Son, you're an asshole." Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm getting thrown back. Like, "Oh fuck!" So look, I'm sorry if I, you know, I don't know what I just did. Maybe I shouldn't have met you. Like, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. She goes, "I'm sorry for saying that, but you are, and I'm gonna tell you why." And I said, "Well, I'm listening." So <laughs> she goes, "You have such a story." Because the first thing I started off was telling her that I don't tell people. Right. So she goes, you have such a story that I truly believe in my heart that if my daughter would, to, would, would have known your story, she might have be alive right now because she might have had hope. Wow. She, she gave up. Wow. And I was like, oh, shit. And that threw me back, brother. And she was like, you need to speak on them stages. You need to write a book. You need to. And she starts telling me all these things that I need to do. And I'm like. Like me speak on stages, me social media. Well, I don't got none. Of, bro, at that time, I never had anything. I never had no social media. I, I had to be a fucking, I had to be a ghost, a ninja. You know, people couldn't know who I was because, you know, the, the the lifestyle that I was in, you know? Sure. Um, so it just so happens that before, a couple months before that was when I had retired. So you tell me there wasn't a reason why all the timing is perfect when it comes to life, right? It was a reason why I did that. Now I'm in this space where it's like, all right, I can, I can put my shoulders down. I could. I'm okay to walk around, like you know what I mean. So I was like, you know what? I looked at her and I says, my it was it was this was December sixth, and I said my anniversary is February twelfth, thirteenth. The twelfth uh, I went to the hospital, thirteenth the uh, six a.m. is when I coded. I said that's about two months from now. I said I'm gonna write a book and release it on that day. Wow. And and she goes to me, all right, promise me that. I said I promise you that. And you know what's crazy, my brother? I don't remember what she looks like. Wow. I couldn't. T- I couldn't even tell you what she looks like. I couldn't tell you what she's wearing. And you know, certain things like this, you would think that you would remember. Sure, brother. I don't. I don't remember anything about her, bro. Wow. Anything. So what I did was the very next day, date with Destiny again. I'm in another group, and who do I meet? I meet a a, a book coach that's having a retreat the weekend after in Long Island. Huh. I'm like, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm in. He looked at me. He was like, what? I said, whatever it is, I'm in. Just, just give me the address. Tell me how much. I'll be there. And um, I really, really got deep with myself, man. And, and I wrote this book. I was already in the process. Of, like, I always journaled. I always journaled, brother. But when I went there, everything changed. I actually opened up my first social media at that event <laughs> at his, his, in his house, uh, my brother AJ. Um, and... The, everything just changed. Everything just changed, but everything took off. The book took off. International best-selling author within six hours. Um, then here goes another Tony Robbins experience with this book, brother. I'm at the Life and Wealth Mastery event now. At the Life and Wealth, mind you, a few months prior, I had just opened up social media and I didn't know nothing about it. My phone starts ringing. It's late at night. It's towards the end of the night, and my phone starts ringing. It's on vibrate. I just so happen to grab it. I just so happen to grab it because it's been in my book bag the entire day. And when I grab it, it starts ringing, and it, it's a weird ring. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I see a face, and I'm like, what the fuck is like? And, and there's a girl next to me. I said, what is this? She starts laughing. She's like, oh, that's your Facebook, your messenger. I said, huh? <laughs> She's like, yeah, they're calling. I said, how the hell you do that? Like, I had no clue, brother. Right. I pick up I pick up the phone right there. I was like, uh, hello? 
brother, it's a Muslim woman from uh, Denmark crying mm-hmm. hysterically, talking about how she wants to kill herself because her she got ovarian cancer and her husband can will leave her because they, you know, she wants to have kids. And, and Muslim, they're, they're culture. Wow. Um, and she, and she's really strong in that. So I'm like, whoa. So I walk out the room. She's like, oh, I'm going to kill myself, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I mean, brother, like literally, I'm like, okay, there's a reason. So I grab the phone. I start talking to her. I talk her out of it. I tell her what to do, what's going on. All right, I want you to write all that on a piece of paper, fold it up, fold it up, fold it up where you can't see it no more. Walk out the street, go down here, throw it away. Like I, I literally walked her through this entire process, bro. And what's crazy is I just heard this recently with Tony did it with someone. Mm. So to this day, to this day, bro. So I helped her out with a couple things. To this day, she calls me or sends me a message once a month. She ended up having twins. She healed wow. the cancer. And wow. to this day, she thanks me for her still being alive. So that 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 whole year in the Tony environment completely transformed my entire life, bro. From business to relationships to 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 health. I mean, you to, I mean health I was already, you know, on point, but just everything, everything. Well, you know, it's it, people who haven't experienced it or don't, you know, have never had a chance to experience something like that. You know, it's hard for them to understand how life changing, how transformational it is. Right. And like you say, those moments appear and you're like, how do you meet that? How did that person call you? I mean, it was it was destined to be. And now she's constantly thanking you. But you didn't do that. I mean, I always yeah. say it's like, you didn't reach out to her. You didn't try. That wasn't your plan. You know, you didn't have none of those plans, right? It just, yep. it was put there for you to serve, to be able yes. to, to serve someone else, to save someone's life, to change someone's life. And, and we get those opportunities. And sometimes people are not even aware or they don't pay attention when that moment comes and they're given that because, you know, it ain't always about us. It's about serving others. That's and, right. That's right. You know, and that's the life you live is about service. So hundred percent brother. And, and we kind of went through, that's why we're brothers for life is because we went through something similar that changed us and got us to understand. That's why we're here. We're here to, right. you know, take our story, take our gift, take all the madness and the craziness of our lives and be there to help somebody else. Yes. So that, it's our duty. It's our duty. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And brother, that's why you're, you're, the name of the show, brother, live courageously, right? It's up to us to live courageously, to give people our stories, to help them create, or live, or conquer, whatever it is. But by us getting it out, that's living courageously, right? And helping so many other people. You know, there's, it's like, it, you got to twist your, your your mindset, right? When I wrote that book, Unwrapping the Mindset, you have to twist it, not just in health, in everything. Where it's like, I always had the, I don't want to tell people because I don't want people to feel pity. But then on the flip side, it's like, but damn, by me not telling people for so many years, who didn't I help, Right? And 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 this that book has literally <laughs> that was a funny picture too. I took that like out of sporadic. Um, <laughs> that's just so true though, man. How many people you bless, right? Yes, that's that's the guy. That's true. Brother, I have so many people that gives me fulfillment. Why? Because I've helped them. I've saved their life. I've I've helped them with their family, relationship, their business, or whatever it is. But the number one piece of fulfillment that I have for me is 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 serving, brother. Is serving, and I never in my life thought that. I've always had a good heart, man. I've always had a good heart, brother. I've always helped people, you know what I'm saying? But it, 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 when you really just, it's a gift, right? When, when you follow it and when you embrace it and you, whatever's your, whatever you feel pulled to, just go at it. 
There's a reason why you're being pulled to something. There's a reason why you're putting and you're being put in a position or in a place. And it could be good or bad, but there's a reason why you're there. So you have to think about like, all right, if this just happened to me, why am I here? Who am I supposed to serve after I beat this? Because I'm going to fucking beat it. Nothing's going to fucking beat me. Right. And that's what went through my mind when I was in the hospital with all that shit. I said, listen, I done went through some crazy shit. But I remember staying in a fucking shelter overnight where I took my sneakers and I, I put the shoelace around my arms and I put my, my hands inside of the sneakers to sleep like this. So nobody would steal my sneakers at nighttime. Right. So, so, so I remember these things, you know what I mean? But guess what? Everything that we went through from adversity, from being poor, from, from food, from cancer, from the streets, from the gangs, from the businesses to the failures, to the bankruptcy that I had to like, you name it, whatever it is that we go through, brother, we are here to share that with someone else so that way they don't have to go through the same pain. Right. And I think that's our duty, bro. That's why people, when people, oh man, you know, you believe in God, you believe this, blah, blah, blah. I said, man, let me tell you something, man. I said, I'm not God's soldier. I'm God's gangster because I am not scared to go against the grain. I am not scared to say, hey, what's wrong is right. What's this is that. Like, I'm going right at it. Like, let's go. Well, um, you know, you're saying all that. I think people need to hear that message now more than ever, right? Because we we live in times where everybody is being promoted a message of fear, being mm. uh, promoted a message to, you know, be scared, to be afraid of this, be afraid of that, focus on the wrong things. And, and, and they need to hear that powerful message of, like you said, you know, that you're willing to go out there and do it and, and overcome and just keep moving. You know, it's like... Yeah. I mean, that, that message is so bad. And that's why I wanted, you know, what was like, yeah, I got to get Danny on my show, man. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you, brother. It's all about, it's all about universal law, man. Karmic management, right? I don't, I don't, look, I'm, I'm, I'm the first person I will admit, I don't like authority, right? And a lot of people that I know don't like authority, but at the end of the day, it's not man-made law that I abide by. I right. abide by universal law. I abide by karmic management, right? I abide like when you put, put yourself in a room law of exposure, Right. You know, this is this is the things that when you when you abide by the universal laws, right? You give, you give, you give. You're gonna get. It is what it is. Well, one of the, one of the quotes you have that I that I I love that that uh, is a uh, um, I love oh, yeah. this dangerous freedom over uh, peaceful slavery. You know, that's right. And, and I think that's once again the same kind of thing. It's like live dangerously. Don't live in fear. Be willing to live yes. dangerously. Because you will need to be free. And, yes. you know, um, questioning authority is a good thing. Um, yes. you know, not like you said, because when those doctors told you, not that, that everybody was bad or that all doctors. Yeah, bad, yeah. That it's not to make people bad or right or wrong. But when they told you, they told you what they knew. But That's you right. had a different opinion. And you were like, it's me. It's my body. It's my life. I'm going to go do this. To, and I'm going to. And you proved them what you did was right for you. You know, 100%. And, and they got challenged by that because they don't like to be told that they don't know everything and they don't. Mm -hmm. You know, another time happened to me once, man, some years back, brother, where I went to the hospital. I was feeling this weird pain. I didn't know what it was. Um, they never found out what it was. But then they started telling me, oh, your, your thyroid, it was, I think it was hyperthyroidism, something like that. Oh, we're, we're going to take it out. You're staying overnight. We're going to take it out in the morning and we'll give you these pills. You got to stand these pills for the rest of your life. And I was like, whoa, they told me it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And I said, yeah, we're going to take it out because, you know, your, 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 all this other stuff, your hormones. Well, they're telling me all this shit, brother. You know what I did, man? I said, listen, listen. I told the doctor, come here, come close, come close. I said, fuck you. 
<laughs> All right? I swear to God, bro. I said, fuck you. I said, who the fuck are you to tell me what you're going to take out of my body? Mm. I said, I don't need this shit. I said, I'm out. Oh, well, you can't go. I said, watch me. Give me a piece of paper to sign. I'll sign whatever you got to sign. No, we can't let you go. Bye. I got up. I took the IV out and I walked out. I, took, I grabbed my clothes and I walked out, ass out, and I called an Uber and left. And I, the very next morning, I woke up. I went home. I woke up. I went to Barnes and Nobles, started researching things on my phone. How do we reverse whatever's going on with this? If it's, if it's a thyroid, whatever the fuck they're saying, right? Of course, I went and seen a, a, a second opinion. But that appointment was like two weeks later. And I started doing a celery juice and I started a, a, a medical medium. I started reading all his books, started doing this, started doing that, a bunch of other thyroid books. All right, I got to do this. Okay, cool. I'm going to do this. Boom. Started juicing, started going back into these things. And I'm just like, all right, look, it is what it is. Because I truly believe in the rule and the law of regeneration, like, I mean, re regenerative health, right? Like, you can bring things back. I've helped my cousin who literally his liver, right before uh, COVID hit, he had he was scheduled for a, uh, a uh, oh, my God, I can't even think of the word right now, where he had a, a, a transplant, right? And his liver was just taking a shit. He's been an alcoholic for most of his life. And the doctor said, you, you're, you know, you're so bad on alcohol that he couldn't even just cut it. He died. So he had to slowly come off of it. Wow. Um, so I didn't know it at first. And he calls me, he's upset because COVID and now they, they can't do the surgery. Now he's got to wait, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on? So he told me what's going on. So I said, no, nah, we're not doing that, bro. So I told him, look, this is what you need. So I started doing some homework, but this is what you need. Start doing this, start doing pomegranate, start doing lime, start doing, and I, I, I literally changed his lifestyle up. Now, brother, in six months comes by, he gets a phone call to go do the surgery. He goes through the surgery. Now, mind you, while this is going on, he has to get his uh, a needle weekly to, to take fluid out. But now it's two weekly. Now it's three weeks. Now it's four weeks. Now it's two months. Now it's three months. And like, it's no more, right? And he goes to the doctor. They go for this. Test. I say, bro, make sure they test whatever enzymes, whatever it is that they got to test. You know, I don't know certain names of it. And they say, listen, we don't know what you're doing, bro, but your, your liver is literally about 70% better. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Wow. So, so I did the same thing with, my, with the, the thyroid thing, bro. I fixed the shit myself. Like, look, I, at the end of the day, brother, our body, we are gifted with the most powerful computer in the world. And whatever program we put in it to run, it's going to run. You know what I mean? So, like, we can we can heal, brother. We, I went to the store today right now, and I paid a quick video, brother. I spent, like, $100 on something, fruits and vegetables, things like that, mostly fruits. And I'm like, yo, when people ask me my lifestyle, do I go out on a weekend and, you know, when I'm going to eat in a restaurant or whatever the case may be? Of course I do, right? But throughout the week, 80-20, I tell them, 80-20. 80-20, I live most of the week. I mean, fruits, I mean, right? I'm in the gym. And I just try to stay on point, man. Yeah, well, you know, it's I agree, and it's being willing to question and do your own research. I mean, I, I remember years, many, many years ago, my doctor said my cholesterol was high. She said, "Well, I'm gonna put you on statin." I said, "No, you're not." Nope. And I said, "Well, because I'm not gonna take it because it has all these negative side effects." So she said, "What are you gonna do?" I said, "Well, I'm gonna change my diet and exercise some more." She said, there "Well, you go. that's gonna work." I said, "Yeah, I know that's gonna work." So I come back a year later, and my cholesterol dropped, and she said, "How did you do it?" I said, "The way I told you, exercise and diet." That's it's right. Not a mystery, but nobody wants to put in the work. So you just give yes. them drugs that have all these side effects. Uh, that's so you got to be smart enough to do the research, ask the right questions, and then put in the work. You got to put in hundred percent. It's your body, right? And you know, it's just like I think I got a picture of you. Uh, maybe see if I got a picture of you. Uh, yeah, when you know you doing pretty good with these pictures, man. I, <laughs> I work out for me, not you. Uh, <laughs> no. That's right. And, and, you know, once again, we got that in common, too, because we both love to work out and we both realize 
that that's how you stay healthy. That's how you stay strong. That's right. You know, you know they say the people that live the longest are the ones that have more muscle content, right? Now I mean like big, 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 not like that. But, but I, listen, I, I used to be 235 like this, like I was a brick, right? <laughs> but I'm 200 pounds. I love my weight. I love my, you know what I mean? Like it's not about, it's just about maintenance, but you got to, like, either you use it or you lose it. That's right. That's right. And so that, and that's the thing. And I think nowadays it's just that message to tell people, you know, when somebody tells you something, that's their opinion. It's not not a fact. You get to to do the research. You get to get other opinions. You get to pay attention. What's what what does this mean? You know, because just because somebody has a title, a degree, ten degrees, twenty degrees, you know, from school, does not mean they're right. It just means they know what they know, and they don't know what they don't know. And so right. you you got to be willing to take that. And especially in COVID, I think a lot of us we we came out of unstoppable, and we questioned. When they told us, well, you need to do this, you need to wear a mask, you need to get vaccinated, you need to do this. You know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a rebel, always been a rebel all my that's life. That's right. We got rebel souls, brother. Rebel souls. Yeah, so it's easy to go, well, OK, you, that's what you say. But I'm going to I'm going to look the opposite direction. I'm going to start looking in the opposite direction because that's just the way it is. You know, because right. I'm going to challenge you every time. And then, you know, not to say that I'm always right either. But, you know, if you don't challenge, then you just follow and then you're a follower. That's, that's right. The, that's the worst thing to do. Um, That's right, hundred percent. You know, you got to have that courage to do that. So, oh, uh, brother, you know, and, and the courage, the courage to go against the grain during that time. You know how many people is like, oh man, you should do this. You should get the shot. You got to do this. You should wear a mask. Fuck you. You know how many times I walk into stores? Oh, you can't come in here. Where fuck you? And and, and bro, fist fight sometimes. Like yo, don't <laughs> tell me to wear a fucking mask. I'm I won't do it. I won't, bro. I I made my daughter. My, my the 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 one of the softball teams. I coached my daughter's team softball team for eight years, right? Four she four year state championships, and she was in high school now. And the there was oh you know she got to wear masks. I said then she ain't playing. Oh come on, nope, then she ain't playing. I'm telling you right now, she's not running around these fucking bases wearing a fucking mask with asthma. And no, she's not doing it. She's not taking a shot. She's not doing none of that shit. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, bro, I fought, it was a fight against up uphill battle, brother. And I'm sure you went through the same thing. Well, you know, I usually, you know, you know me, I'm, I tend to be a real calm guy in general and I don't lose my temper. That's not what I do. But, you know, I was walking in the park one day during COVID and it was a pretty, pretty much empty park and I'm walking without no mask on. And I'm like, you know, but it was I was kind of getting fed up with all the, the stuff and two police officers are coming to me and, and I'm like, damn it, I know they're going to say something. Right. So the police officer looks at me, and says, hey, where's your mask? I said, why do I need a mask? He said, well, you know, in case you walk past anybody, I said, I don't see anybody. And if I do, I'll step away six feet. What's the big deal? I, he, said, right. well, he said, well, you got to put on a mask. I said, why? I, I said, show me the rule. So now I'm starting to get heated. I'm going Bronx, right, uh, Danny? And I'm like, I don't want to do that, but I'm getting it. And then he goes, well, here, I got a mask. I said, I don't want your effing mask. <laughs> you know, and I just walked away from him. And I was like, damn it. I, I didn't want to be like that, but I was like, I was tired, you know, I was tired. I was tired of the BS. And I was just like, no, man, you know, come on, have some damn common sense. Um, but anyway, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy uh, couple of years that we went through. Right. Yeah, um, it was, man. But we were, you know, we, we, we came out of it, you know, and, and, and God, you know, we're here. That's right. That's right. So tell me, uh, you know, besides everything else, uh, you know, you like you've done so much. Um, and, and now what you're involved in is a lot of, uh, acquisitions of businesses, turning around of businesses. So, you know, you, like I say, your little bio was this big, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
you would think, okay, this guy ain't done much, right? But you just keep going, keep going, keep going. So tell us a little bit about all the business stuff that you do, the business takeovers, acquisitions, um, turnarounds, all that. Yeah. And how, you know, what you've learned and what you've created in that world. Because that's another thing that I think people, because like you say on your thing, it's like going from employee. I think I may, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, you got another slide, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, you got some good ones there. Yeah, that's the the LinkedIn one. Yep. Yep. Being a freedom mentor. So go ahead. Tell tell us a little bit about that journey, man. So um, remember I was telling you, I, I was always getting into some type of small business, learning a lot of different things. I never went to college, brother, barely came out of high school, you know. Um, but I had a hustler's mentality. I had a hustler's mentality, you know. Um, so with that being said, I'm always getting these businesses, small businesses. And I didn't realize, it was, okay, this is acquisition entrepreneurship. I didn't know what the hell that was, right? So and then years ago, it's been, it's been about six years now maybe, I had one of my men's events. So when I started, when I left the motorcycle club, I was like, man, I could do the exact same thing I'm doing because I got people from 17 years old to 70 years old following me. I should make some men's coaching and, and retreats out of this and I can really help men. So my first, my first men's retreat, that's where I met Jason because he came to my, my, uh, my men's event and we're blowing shit up, having fun, right? And the next thing you know, me and Jason clicked. So Jason... Um, he invited me into his world as far as the turnarounds. Now, mind you, I didn't realize what I was doing already was almost the same thing, but obviously Jason, with Jason Techniques, took me to the next level, right? Um, and so now I'm, I, I got some training from Jason. I'm working with him now. We've been doing turnarounds for a couple of years now, and I'm still doing my business, my business on the side. You know, I'm still always been doing my coaching, mindset coaching, men's coaching, doing a lot of things like that. And I'm like, man, people call me about business. I'm still doing the business coaching, health coaching. So, I'm, you know, I got all these different fucking names. I just call it fucking coaching, right? Serving, whatever. Um, and then I was like, all right, I want to get into the bigger things now, right? I, I know what to do and how to do it, all right? And I'm doing turnarounds with Jason. I'm like, I want to get into the bigger things now. So now, instead of me just looking at businesses that I like or businesses that I want to be involved with, now I'm looking at bigger, more service-based businesses that I can acquire, using a lot of creative financing. I mean, I've, I've used SBA before, but creative financing is key. And now I'm able to just go into the business and turn them around and either scale them, keep them, or within probably 18 months or three years, sell them. And that's where I make a lot of the money is off of the exits. So that's where I'm at right now, man. This is your brother. I feel blessed. Um, 2023, I had a goal. Uh, and so far, 2023, brother, I've uh, acquired seven businesses this year seven um anywhere from 30 grand to 3.6 million dollars um currently working on two of them right now simultaneously right now and i'll get it i'll get them and what i do is i hire a certain person to run it so that way i don't have to be there right and there's certain things that i did learn from jason on how to run a business without even being there, as far as getting rid of the hustles mentality and putting a ceo chairman mind up here now right um and i teach people that now and i teach people how to buy businesses um, creatively, creatively with, with almost zero money out of your own pocket. Um, yeah, Wall Street Rebel, let's do it. Um, <laughs> I love that. I put that Wall Street moves from a Broad Street dude, brother. <laughs> That's a great one, man. Yeah. So uh, I, I got some wordplay, man. I'm a writer, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so now I just teach people, man. I say freedom mentor, man, because 
I, I, my goal in the world, man, is to liberate, right? It's to liberate mankind from their limiting beliefs, to liberate them from them thinking that they have to just, you know, continue to work a nine to five. And listen, if you really want something, you want to step out of the box, you can do it. And it doesn't matter if you want to own your own business or partner with someone because there's, there's two type of preneurs, they're called. You got entrepreneur and entrepreneur, right? And the entrepreneur is the risk takers. That's me all day, right? But you have the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs are the ones that's going to be on my side. They're the ones that's going to, they're going to run the show. But they just don't want the full 100% responsibility of the ownership, but they want to, they want, they want the, the responsibility of, hey, I'm the boss of the business. So that's perfect. So I learned that, right? And once I learned that, all right, cool, I have to hire entrepreneurs, right? And then I put them in position, and, and that's just the way I've been living right now, brother. And I love my daughter. Um, she's even she's starting to be more interested into it now. I'm teaching her how to go about it. We might be picking up a vet, uh, a veterinarian uh, clinic pretty soon. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to pave its way and help a lot of people. You know, it's, it's not only rebuilding the middle class because it's giving people jobs and giving other people outlooks where it's like, hey, listen, that, that 50 grand that you saved up to buy a, a house, you can buy a business. You know what I mean? For, you know, it, it's, it's very easy, bro. Let's say you want to get a, the, the business's revenue. Let's say they're asking a million dollars. If they're asking a million dollars, that means their net is probably around three, 350, right? You're going to get two to three times the multiple. Right, which means they're probably doing around 2.5, give or take. Now, maybe a little less, right? Re Revenue-wise, right? Now, um, all you have to do for that million dollars, you got to come up with a hundred, a hundred thousand, right? Now, that hundred thousand can come from you, come from family, come from friends, come from whoever you want to raise it from, and then you make sure you take care of them. Hey, listen, in the banks, you're never going to hear about 10, 20 percent interest. So I give people almost 20 percent interest for a hundred thousand dollars. And they're like, holy shit, really? Listen, I'll give you this. We'll set up a date whether I'm going to pay you within a year, two years. We'll structure how they want to feel comfortable structuring it, which I'm very open to, right? Creative financing. And now I walk into a million-dollar business using their money. They make, they make some interest on it. I come out of pocket nothing. And then when I close, I use either the SBA or owner financing because now by me setting up the business with owner financing from the current owner, they want a retirement fund because if they take all the money in one shot, they get hit with, with capital gain. So now it's like, hey, listen, I'll give you a little something now. We'll stretch that out a couple of years. Now you got money coming in. That's your retirement fund, right? And, 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 and it's just it's a consistent payment to them where it's like, damn, okay, I don't have to take all this and I don't know what to do with it and get hit with taxes. And they just sit there catching dust because they don't want to run investing certain things. They just want to chill. They want to go on their boat and relax or whatever it is, right? So I'm doing them a favor, right, um, as far as taking their business on. And there's a lot of business out there for sale right now, man, because – you know, it's just like finding a motivated seller for a home. I used to flip homes in Jersey. And it's the same concept, bro. You know, whether it's retirement, whether it's they're sick, whether it's a divorce. Or, I got one right now, bro. Um, it's, I can't say, I can't say where, but let's just say it's, it's a few nightclubs that the owner is going to go through, they're going through a divorce and he's trying to get rid of it before they go through the divorce so his wife doesn't get it. Mm. So guess what? I'm getting that one for pennies on a dollar. Right. So they're out there. There's deals everywhere, brother. Everywhere I go, Duff, I knock on a door. I don't care if I'm in a store. Like, I, mean, I was in a body shop the other day. Like anywhere where I go, hey, listen, you interested in selling? You interested in selling? You interested in selling? Everywhere I go. That's the first thing out of my mouth. Well, you know, I mean, once again, you your journey is like it's just mind boggling. You know, when you when you hear all the things you've been through and where you get, came and this. And I'm just going to jump to one thing and I want to come back to this, though, but is, you know, I put up the picture, of course, with you, and this just shows your adventurous spirit, man. But that's uh, this one. Ah, right. yes. Stop letting fear block your blessings, man. That was amazing. And brother, let me tell you know those tigers, brother. It was it was three different tigers that I was with. That wasn't a zoo. That was pets. Wow. Where those were, were pets. What that country? was in Thailand. That was in Thailand. Thailand. 
So Thailand has this one big place that people go to to take these pictures, right? But then they're, they're all drugged up, them, them tigers. Ah. So I'm in, a, I'm in a taxi. I'm about to go to that place. And a taxi driver says, listen, you want to go see some beautiful tigers that's not all droopy and stuff? I'll bring you to the guy's house about an hour from here. And I looked at him. I was like, look, man, I ain't got no gun on me, bro. So if you're going to try to kidnap me, I'm fighting. <laughs> so the guy starts laughing. He goes, no, 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 no. He was like, I, just trust me, trust me. So I right, fuck it, let's go. So we go to this guy's house. He's parked off the side of the highway. Now we pull up on the side of a highway. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is this a gate? I'm like, oh, he, this, is, this is a fucking setup, right? <laughs> I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. This is a fucking setup. We're about to get it in. Fuck it, right? And I got a pen in my pocket. I always go somewhere with something. So now I got a pen. I pull my pen out. Like, I'm about to cut him, stab him, fucking throat <laughs> if I have to, right? <laughs> right? The gate, open the gate, and I see a couple people there. It's like, okay, look a little, little more normal, right? We go inside and start talking to people. I'm talking to the son. And then the father comes out. The father has two dozen tigers. He's been rescuing them for years, years. Wow. His sons grew up with the cubs. So he's like, listen, I'm letting you know right now, we, 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 there's a couple of tigers that you can go next to. They're more friendly than other ones. He says, but they're not on drugs. They're not on anything like that. You have to sign here. You can't sue me. You can't do none of this shit, blah, blah, blah. The only reason he does that is because the government, Thailand government said, if you don't open this up as for people to come see, then we're going to have to take these tigers away because you have too many as pets. So what he did was he talked to a couple of local taxi drivers. He's listen, if they want to come, blah, blah. So he takes pictures. So now it was 10 bucks, bro. Wow. 10 bucks, they gave me like 400 pictures. And the only reason they do that for free is because they have to show the government, hey, listen, we have people here. Wow. Right? So I ended up going with the Tigers. When I went in there, I went into the first gate. And the Tigers sense everything, brother. And they, they, I went to the first gate. And the, the six of them is in this one big-ass big ass cage. They start walking up. And the guy, the son goes in front of me. He puts his arm on me. He goes, get behind me, get behind me. I said, no. And he goes, he looks at me like, what the fuck? Like, no, get behind me. Get me. I said, no. And I got in front of him and he's looking at me like I'm fucking crazy, bro. And I was like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. He's like, bro, listen, they sense it. I, was like, I went like that. Like I went fucking, I literally did that. And I was like, I'm not fucking scared. And I looked at the tiger and he looks at me. He goes, bro, you're on your death sentence. You're fucking crazy, right? Bro, the tigers walked up and then they went down on the front and then they laid down. And then I looked at him. I was like, what's that mean? He goes, he looks at me. He was like, holy fuck. I said, well, what's that mean? He goes, I have never in my life seen this. I've been working with these tigers for over 20 years. He goes, they know you're alpha in here. They respect you. I said, no shit. He goes, yeah. And then one of them came up, went around me, started, I started petting them, boom. And that's the one that I started feeding. Wow. Um, yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, <laughs> they knew you weren't afraid. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got to shake that shit out, man. Tigers did not know that we're like, okay, this guy's different. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, bro. You know what, man? I went to one of my ayahuasca um ceremonies, brother. And in my ayahuasca ceremony, a tiger and a wolf came to me as a spirit animal. Huh. And that was prior to that. And that was when the only reason I went to Thailand was to live with the, to stay with the monk for seven days silence. I ended up living with the monks for almost 30 days. Really? And that was a whole nother story. Yeah. Wow. Well, one thing Our you stories, got, brother. Stories. You got. You may have to do another book, man, because we, we, we. Besides the cancer one, we're gonna need. Yeah. We're gonna need the, the, your stories, Danny, because uh, you you got so much message out there, man, to tell people and to share with people, and you know, you know, both overcoming and also just the, the courage, man, because you know you. Uh, and that's the one of the things I, I always say. You know, I've been blessed with knowing so many amazing human beings like yourself. And, you know, it's just like, likewise, brother. you know, it's just I, I just think like it, it, I didn't it, I obtain a lot of wealth, but I obtained a better wealth, the wealth of people 
you know, people who've been put in my life. And, you know, and you get attracted to people who got the same, uh, the same vibe, the same, you know, yeah. and, and you have that too. You know, your vibe attracts the people who are in your world. Hey, your vibe you know, attracts your tribe, brother. Yeah, vibe attracts your tribe, like Jason Cisneros and, uh, you know, all, we, we kind of all came together for a reason. And, yeah. And that um, I'm always honored to be among people who came from the bottom. Cause that's like, brother, me, the know? circle with you, with Jason, with Christopher, with Joe, with Todd, with, I mean, uh, 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 with Dom, like this circle, bro, it, it, it's, it's Lauren, like it's just, it's another level. It's just another level, man. You know what I mean? And it's such a, everybody there is to serve, you know? Right. You know, and, and that's, I think that's a message that, you know, I always say, I mean, the two things that I've learned in life that came out of Tony Robbins, but came from life as well is one to be grateful for everything I have. I do that mm -hmm. every day. I write about my, uh, you know, I get up in the morning and write what I'm grateful for, you know, cause I go, no matter what I don't have, I have so much, I'm so blessed, you know? And that, if that's to always remind yourself, even when you don't have certain things, that's okay. Look at what you got. Look at Every day above ground is a great day. That's right, that's right. And you know, and I, and I also say, you know, I'm gonna retire. One of my sayings is when I wake up and there's six feet of dirt above me, I guess I retired at that point, but up until I know that, that's right. I know that's up, right. Up until that point, we got so much to do. And then the other side yeah. is, you know, if you serve others, if you give to others, if you give back, uh, it's the blessing for you. It's the best blessing yes. you can get, right? Yes, um, you're building your karma. You're you're building your good karma, my brother. You know, yeah. and just this is what we what we're here for, man. We're not we're not here for ourselves, man. We're here for everybody else. We're here to serve, man. That, yeah. that, that's why I truly believe. That's why, like, the more I serve. Right. I always tell people, talking, talking about six feet deep. Right. I said, man, when I'm six feet deep, brother, I'm going to die empty. Right. I'm going to die empty because I know I'm going to serve to my highest level that I could possibly serve. Man. Well, you, you know, you've been doing it. I mean, I've been uh, like I said, uh, uh, hanging out with you is always not only is a blessing, but it's fun, man. We always have a blast. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, th that's the other side of it, you know, because a lot of times people don't know, like when you come from the bottom you can have fun with each other. You know, we goof on each other. We do things that other people like are afraid to do. Yeah. You know? and, and for us, it's, it's cause we respect and love each other and, and having right. that, you know, from there, you can kind of do things that you can't, other people don't get to do. So tell yeah. me as we wrap up, uh, brother, um, going forward, what's on your agenda and what message do you want to kind of leave, uh, leave us with as you, uh, as we wrap up the show today? Um, a couple of different things, man. I'll keep it short, man. Uh, me moving forward is continuing to serve the world as much as I can serve. Um, and I want everybody here to take away that there's and nothing in this world that is stopping you but yourself. Nothing. Nothing at all. And at the end of the day, whoever you want to create, the identity you wish to create, it's habits. It all comes down to the habits. The, what does that identity look like? What do they do every day? And who? Who do you need to become for that? It's not your how, it's not your why. Because if it was your why, you would have been there already, right? It's the who. Who do you need to become to get that person, to be that person, to help that person, to serve that person? Whatever it is in this world, brother, it's the who. I hear you. I hear you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, anything else? Otherwise, I want to thank you, brother. Uh, it's been it's been fun, man. It's been a uh, uh, just remembering all the things we've been together and just hearing your story again. Cause you know, I know when I first heard your story, I was like, wow, this is a powerful story. And, you know, 
I, 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 for everybody to hear what's possible, what you can overcome, how nothing can stop you. I mean, you're just living proof of all that. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. You have to have it. It's up here. Because yeah. anything that can beat you, any any dis-ease, any, anything in this world can beat you if you allow it to beat you up here. Yeah. And then the other side of it, which is reflected in your short bio, is the humbleness, man. You know, it's just you've <laughs> been giving me 30 pages. But, you know, your humbleness is the other side of who you are, man. And I, and I think that's something that's also very special, brother. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Humble savage, I call it. Humble savage, man. You know, like you turn like turn the switch when you need to. If not, leave this shit off. That's <laughs> well, a good name and uh, uh, a thing. Humble savage and, and God's gangster, man. You know, you God's got gangster, brother. Let's do it. I like I'm it, a man. double G, double G. <laughs> well, brother, thank you so much, man. You have a great much love, man. Much love to you as well, brother. Uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right, everybody. And if, I hope everybody uh, check out his book on Amazon and just uh, tune in to um, Danny uh, online and support whatever you can. And if you need some coaching, some mentoring, um, want to get involved, you got businesses to sell. He's going to walk in and ask you if you're selling it anyway. So you might as yes, well let's uh, do it. get it to him first, man. So yeah, uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. And once again, thank you, brother. Love you, man. You got it, baby. You got it. Bye.